Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Leading Yourself podcast. I'm super excited for you to be listening to this episode today because I have here with me a very special guest. Here with me is Breed Barone, or as she likes her friends to call her, Beans. Beans is a public speaker, a teacher, and officially an author. She's launching her first book, tomorrow. And guess what? You have the amazing opportunity to have a sneak peek before this book goes out into the world in today's podcast episode. I'm going to be talking with Beans about her new book. But before we jump into the interview, I want to share just a couple of facts about Beans. Beans um, spent the first part of her life growing up in an evangelical church where she ultimately became a pastor at age 26. After picking up in her pastor career, she met the love of her life, Sammy, and they got married. Now they live in Southern California. Uh, Beans had started this journey of this purpose of her to remind people that choosing freedom is always worth it, no matter the cost. And that's something that she's going to talk about in her book. She talks about in her book, Worth It. I had the privilege to listen to read at a Rice conference before. I started following her in social media. She's done a lot of work in the space of diversity and inclusion. Recently, with Black Lives Matter, she developed a racism one-on-one guide that I can't recommend more. If you, like me, are in this stage of learning and absorbing and trying to make a difference, this guide really helped me better understand a lot of things that I just didn't knew before. Her work in this space is amazing. She is an incredible storyteller, and I can't wait for you to listen to this interview and to read her book. I'll give all the details about where you can find her book in the notes of this podcast. So go check out the description of this episode and you'll see a link to Bean's new book, Worth It. And with that, I leave you with this amazing conversation with Beans. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Welcome to the Leading Yourself podcast. This is your host, Carolina de Arriba. I'm an HR professional, health and fitness coach, wife, mom, and above all things, a goal getter. In this podcast, we're going to be digging into all things leadership, professional and career development, habits, and relationships. This is a podcast for those who want to become the best version of themselves. Those who have big dreams and are willing to embrace the journey and put in the work to achieve them. My goal is to share with you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you in your journey. So let's dig in into today's episode. Okay, welcome everyone to the Leading Yourself podcast. Today, I have a treat for all of you because I'm here with Brie Barone, or as she wants people to call her, her friends to call her Bean. So I'm already jumping to call you beans. I think yes, that's, that's okay. <laughs> um, I 
came across um, beans as I was part of the Hollis community in one of the RICE events, I heard you talking about owning your past. And in the most recent conference, you talk about courage. And it was, you really touched me with your message. Such a wealth of knowledge and just deep reflection. And now you just wrote a book who, which is going out in the world today as people yes. are listening to this episode. That's so exciting. And I can't wait to read it. It's called Worth It, Overcome Your Fears and Embrace the Life You Were Made For. And I can't start this podcast in any other way than, first of all, introduce yourself, talk a little bit about yourself, but let us know what is this book about? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for having me on here. I'm super excited. I cannot believe that this book is out in the world. Um, so yeah, my name's Britt, but everyone calls me Beans. And honestly, that's, it's, a, it's a long story, but my parents call me Beans. No one has ever really called me anything else. So um, <laughs> happy to be here and worth it. So to know a little bit about me, uh, I would say for sure check out this book because it's, it's not all of my story, but it's a part of it that's really important to me. And I wrote it after a season of, of figuring out how to be true to who I was and realizing how common that was to the people in my life who weren't necessarily dealing with the same situation, but were dealing with the same narrative in their head that told them that who they were or what they wanted to do was going to upset people or change things or make things hard. And so maybe they should just not do it. And the title of the book came from one day when I was talking to my editor and it, it still didn't have a title for a while. Like we were like writing it. We were like, what is this book called? And she asked, do you think people ever get to a place where they're, they don't have any fear? And I said, no, I don't think you ever get to a place where you don't have fear. I think people get, can get to a place though, where they realize that going through those fears and overcoming all of them is worth it. And then we were both like, oh my gosh, worth it. Um, so that's what the book is about. In my story in particular, uh, a lot of it comes from uh, overcoming my own fears of what it meant to embrace, embrace myself and my love for another woman who is now my wife, Sammy, who's perfect. Uh, so of course, I fell in love with her. She's literally perfect. And that was going to disrupt a lot of things because I grew up in the church and I had a lot of narratives in my mind about what that meant and ultimately realizing I could do this or not do this, and either way is gonna be really hard, but but one is gonna be worth it. And so that's a little bit about me and, and how we got to this book. That's amazing. I mean, I follow you in social media, you and Sammy, and you yes. are both such amazing human beings. And um, the message that you both share to the world is, is a very important message. And especially in the times that we're living today, where we're all coming to realize that it is so important to be ourselves and maybe mm -hmm. realize that we haven't been ourselves even when we think that we were. 
ourselves, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's very eye opening. And I think it's the combination of everything happening that has created this momentum now that I hope that all this is here to stay, right? And it's here to really make a difference in, in, the, in the world that we leave. And I think that yeah. you guys have a very powerful message on what it is to live a life without fear and not without fear, but embracing fear of, yeah. and, and being able to authentically be yourself, which mm-hmm. is an amazing message. So you, yeah, thank you, you already shared a little bit of this, but what was, what is the why behind this book? What is, if, if readers at the end of reading this book could take one thing out of this book, what is your hope that this book, the impact this book will make in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So, you know, after Sammy and I sort of went through this experience of, of coming out and, and it was incredibly difficult and it, it disrupted a lot of our relationships and, and lives and, and things that we were doing. And I thought that, man, I'm the only one having this experience. And then I got messages from people who had gotten a divorce. I got messages from people who had um, gotten pregnant as teenagers. I got messages from women who uh, were just telling me about their their journeys in, in being a working mom and feeling guilty. And I was like, oh my gosh, how is this resonating with, like, I thought this was a unique experience to being gay and coming out. Like, that's what I'm talking about. And the, the thing behind the thing there was, no, I, I was afraid that there was something about me that was going to upset people, that was going to um, shake up the norm or, or whatever. And so I was afraid to embrace that. And then all of a sudden I'm getting messages from people who are saying, oh, that's true. That's how I feel about my career or that's how I felt about my marriage. That's how I felt about these things. Like, I'm, I'm proud of you, I'm happy for you. And I, that was the moment where I was like, man, I wanna talk about this. I wanna write this story. And I don't just want to write it for people who might be in the closet. It's certainly, if you are, you know, it, it will be, you, you will understand some of the stories uh, very particularly. But I was like, I want to write the story because at the end of the day, what I want people to, to walk away with after they read this book is I want my goal, my wish, my hope is that everyone who reads this book will be able to put it down at the end and go do the thing that they feel like they are meant to do. I don't know what that is. If it's a job, a conversation, a relationship, a a hope, a dream, whatever it is, that's what I want people to walk away with, to know that the thing that they desperately want and hope and need in the world, they can have. And it could be different things for different people, right? But I I think, as you said, the, the principle applies the same regardless of what your situation is. And living the life that you're meant to be, right? Exactly. Because a lot of times, uh, I'm sure that courage and fear and hope are three words that are part of your book. Uh, Just listening and following to you and listening to your story. I know those words have a very strong meaning in your life. Um, Can you share, because I heard you 
share this at, um, at a conference, at an event that you were speaking on your definition or your dad's definition of courage. Um, yes. And how, tell us a little bit of what is the importance of courage in living the life that you're meant to be, but also living in the times that we're living today. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. So my, my dad, uh, always told us this about courage, which, you know, relates so much to what I was saying and, and probably how I think about it is probably because this is when my dad always told us, but he says, courage is not the absence of fear. It is simply not allowing fear to have the final say. And so I don't know that, that we get to a place where we're, we're not scared anymore, but we do have to get to a place where we say, Although I feel scared, I'm going to move forward anyways. I'm going to move through that fear. I'm going to find the courage in it. And I think that's, that's the message I want to bring, right? Is I, I'm not saying you can be a person who's like, I'm never scared. But I think you can be a person that says, that fear that I feel, I don't let it control me. And where we are today, oh my goodness, we need that message more than ever, right? Because there are more things to be scared of today than there were yesterday, right? Like, right. where I'm on like day 115 of quarantining in my house, um, there's virus. We have sort of a, a racial reckoning happening in our in our country. We've got, I mean, economic fears. There, there is so much happening, um, and it and letting yourself acknowledge that fear and saying this is a scary time but that fear is not the thing that's going to lead me into what I do next. Yeah. I love that. Uh, when I heard that message from you, the first time you talk about sometimes no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm sure that in back in January, no one could even imagine that we were going to be where we are today. Right. And, and when we are yeah. in the middle of all of this, we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know for how long we're going to be, you know, stuck in our homes, all of that. Mm -hmm. But it's that hope that this shall pass and there is a tomorrow. And there, as long as there is a tomorrow, there is a chance and a reason to fight for what we want and, and for we believing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I believe that so much. And, and, and that's what I say is we, we have this idea in yeah. our mind of, oh, in order for me to have hope, I, I need to know what's going to happen. Like, you know, in order for me to, to feel hopeful, I need to know that on day 150, quarantine is going to be over, right? Like, I, <laughs> but the reality is you don't, but the fact that it's not over yet is, is what I find hope in, right? The fact that things, maybe they feel like they're getting better, maybe they feel like they're getting worse, but either way, it's not over. And, and that is worthy of hope in and of itself. That requires hope just knowing, hey, there's still a tomorrow and, and anything can happen. And, and so, yeah, I feel that. Great. Um, I had the chance to read to the bonus chapter of your book, uh, which was amazing. And as I finished reading it, I'm like, I want more. Like, when is this book coming out? Because I want to continue reading. Um, so everyone who is listening, the book is already out there. So go yes. get a copy because it's totally worth it. Just like the title says. Yes. Um, and in this bonus chapter, you talk about a concept that I think I've heard you mention before, but it's this concept of both and, and can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about what this is and how can 
it present in our lives. Yeah. This is, so I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a three. Okay, yes. Well, I'm a type seven, which means I just want to have fun. Um, and so this is a hard concept for me to grasp for a long time in my life uh, because I wanted things to fall into a, a clean, nice category. So I wanted something to be, oh, this is a fun experience or this is a sad experience. This is joyful or this is um, hard. This is painful or this is like exciting. I wanted it to be that clean. I wanted life to be clean cut that way. Uh, but it's not, right? And in the bonus chapter, I talked a little bit about um, our wedding and having this experience that was the most beautiful, special, amazing day of my entire life that also had some really hard pain points attached to it because of people's responses or, or relationships or those dynamics and realizing like, oh my goodness, it's, it's both and almost everything in our life is both and like I'm quarantine is hard and it has been so nice to to spend this much time at home with with my wife and our dog right and not travel as much <laughs> the, our wedding was amazing and it came with some hard like this this concept is just it's it's what our life is made out of right we make decisions and it's not it's not one or the other but it's usually both and and that's where we find the beauty and the, and the special moments, um, that, that we so cherish. So I'm, I'm like obsessed right now. That's all I'm, that's all I'm talking about. Thinking about is, yeah. is the reality. And I'm, I'm trying to look for it everywhere, everywhere I can find in my life. Yeah. When I was reading to that chapter, I started looking around me and I'm like, this is so true. Like, even in this right moment, I'm experiencing two contradicting things that in my mind seem contradicting but they leave all together because we play so many roles in our lives we have so many relationships in our lives and every role that we play every relationship that we have everything that we do they all happening at the same time and they're all different in their own uniqueness right and, and then yeah. I think life it's more and more complex every day because we're so connected because time runs so fast because of everything going on. So um, it wasn't a hot moment for me, really, because like you, I thought, okay, now I'm happy. Now I'm sad. Now <laughs> yes. I'm optimistic. Now I'm more realistic. And you can be both at the same time and everything, you know, the thing is that you focus your attention in one versus the other. And that's why you feel is one or the other, but both are existing at the same time. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So I'm sure that in your book, um, you share a lot of personal stories about you and Sammy. And I, I know, I'm assuming right now, correct me if I'm wrong, that you guys had to make some difficult decisions in your lives. And I think that your book talks a little bit about that, I presume, and I'm looking forward for that. But what has been helpful for you in embracing those difficult moments in your life and at coming through those difficult moments celebrating yourself and being your true self yeah yeah i it's it's a few things right part of it a big part of it is what we just talked about is i for a lot of my life i had this this big fear that if i had to do 
something that hard or have a conversation, have a hard conversation or, or make a hard decision, like maybe it would break me and everything after that would be hard. Or maybe I would, you know, get so sad that I would be sad forever. Or maybe, you know, I had the, these ideas in my mind of what that would be like. And I think how you build the strength to do that is through doing it. So you have one hard conversation and then you realize, okay, I had that hard conversation and the entire world didn't explode. Maybe I could have another one, right? <laughs> okay, I did, I did this one hard thing and I'm still, I'm still alive, I'm still breathing. Maybe I could do it again. Um, and, and you kind of just, you start to realize that you have to do hard things in life. That's just a part of life. I mean, that's being human is the hardest job any of us will ever have. And, and that comes with it. And in that you find so much joy in those moments, you find strength in those moments, you find healing in those moments, even though they're, they're hard, but every time you do it and you come out on the other side and you're okay, it just reinforced to us that like, okay, we, we can do we can do this and we can find joy on the other side and, and we can find freedom and we can keep going. I know that one figure in the US history that you really admire and you talk a lot about is Martin Luther King Jr. Um, yes. And I know that that has had a big influence in your work in the DNI space, in your work, uh, you know, as a speaker. Um, in the stories that you tell. And I love the story. I heard it a few times about mm -hmm. the I have a dream speech. Can you share yeah. what was behind the scenes of that moment that has been like, we all talk about in US history, right? My kid studied at school, like we all know this, I have mm -hmm. a dream. Um, and tell us a little bit of the story and what what have you learned from that story that can translate into what we're talking right now? Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite stories in, in all of history. And so that speech uh, during the March on Washington that Martin Luther King Jr. gives, right? You're, you're right, it's, it's the most iconic speech. It's what people know when you say Martin Luther King Jr. People are like, oh, I have a dream speech, right? Like that's mm -hmm. what they associate with him. And it was this extremely powerful moment that sort of got penned in time. And the fun part about it is that the I have a dream part of the speech wasn't in the manuscript. So it's not in the original manuscript. And he was giving the speech and starting to sort of wrap and, and, and almost going to be done. And if you literally, if you go listen to it, you can hear it in the background. Uh, from the stage, from the seats on the stage, you hear his friend, Mahalia Jackson, and she yells out and she says, tell them about the dream, Martin, right? And she's, because it was an actual dream that he had, and he had shared with his friends. And at the right time, at the exact right moment, she was able to remind him, hey, tell them about the dream. And then we have this moment that has changed, right, our history. And so that that has been one of my favorite stories since since the time I heard it. And I think there's two really important things that come out of it, right? There's probably a million, but um, for our conversation today, this, there's one which is uh, what, what I hope my book is, to be honest. And that is a reminder to people of the dreams that they have, of the future that they see, 
of the life that they want to build. It's, it's, it's me saying, you guys rem remember these things. You don't have to give them up. You can still fight for them. And then the second thing I think that teaches us is how important it is to share your story, share your dreams, share these things. Like if he had never said that to the people in his life, they wouldn't have been able to remind him of it. And so um, it, it just, that's where it gets me going. And history would be time. so different, right? Like we would never have heard about I Have a Dream, which now, as you said, is the one thing that when we hear Martin Luther King, everyone thinks about. I have a dream. Exactly. Exactly. Like it would be so different and, and we would be at such a loss, right? Cause that, that's, that's an amazing moment that we all get to call on. So yeah. Oh, I, I love, I love that story. So talking about dreams and sharing your dreams with others, what are your dreams? What is your big dream? What is your, your vision for the future? Oh man, I've got so many dreams. <laughs> um, I have, I have a lot of dreams. It's a, this is a good question. I like this question. Um, so for a long time, my dream felt very personal. It felt like internal. It was to be at a place where I felt like I could be free and I was living. Um, and now I feel like my big dream is external. How do I create opportunities for other people to find freedom? How do we create a world in which people don't even have to fight for it, right? They, they just get it when they're born because they, they deserve it. How do we, how do we create that? And, and what, what conversations do we need to have? What experiences, what knowledge, what do we need to know to create a world where less people have to fight for their freedom and more people just get to be born into a free life? You know, now um, that we live in, in the time that we're living with all the social unrest and Black Lives Matter, um, I have to say that this is a, a confession. Uh, I've been doing a lot of learning and exploring and self-reflection in the last weeks. And I realized mm -hmm. that um, I was looking at this whole thing very simplistically, you know, just mm -hmm. scratching the surface. I, I'm like, mm -hmm. what is so complex about this? We're all human beings. We're all equal. Just apply the golden rule. Like, you know, love other people, treat other people that you would like to be treated. It's that simple, but it's not. Mm -hmm. it, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, so I've been consuming a lot of content. Uh, one content that I love, and it's one of my favorites, is your Racism 101 guide. Um, really eye-opening and helping me understand a lot of things. And I'm right now in a place that of analysis paralysis almost. Like there's so, yeah. everyone is talking about this. There's so much information out there. And then there's also this fear, talking about fear and courage of, oh my God, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to mm -hmm. ask the right, the wrong question. I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable because we are overly sensitive to those things, which is a good thing on one hand, but on the other hand is stopping us from taking that desire to be part of the solution to take it to action because really nothing is going to change unless we take action. Um, just wanting to make a difference is not enough. So I'm yeah. sure that I'm not the only one that is in this weird spot. And 
because I know that you work a lot in the space of diversity and inclusion. You've developed this amazing guide for beginners yeah, to understand you. racism. What would be your advice for someone that is in that spot on what are what what can be done to be part of the solution, to be part of the action that creates that solution? Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for for that. I think that's part of why I wanted to create this guide is because I, I do feel like we need the space needed something that was accessible. Because what keeps people out of this conversation that we so desperately need people to be a part of is just like you said, they don't know where to start, they don't want to say the wrong thing, they they don't know what to do. And so this was this was my attempt to say, okay, well, here's a place you can start. Uh, and, and we're going to break this down as to why it's important. So certainly if you're listening and, and you're looking for that resource that's available. Um, the, to your other point, so, so something, and, and when you read the book, you'll, you'll see this, that the very first chapter in the book is a chapter about all the things I've done wrong. Um, all the times I've said the wrong thing, missed the mark, like just like messed up. And that was incredibly important for me to do at the very beginning, because I want people to understand, like, you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to have everything all together and you don't have to know everything under the sun to start, to jump in, to move, to the, I have been met with people all along in so many different areas of my life that have helped me, that have helped me, um, that have educated me, that have, I mean, that have shown me so much that they, I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I didn't do it wrong the first time or be imperfect or do you know what I mean? So there's, yeah. I know that we're afraid of that. And a lot of people, I think they don't want to, they don't want to say anything until they have absolutely all the right words. And my advice is you're never going to have all the right words. You just have to start. And, and some people are honestly like rude and, you know, critique and in a very harsh way. And that's the culture we live in. But there are a lot of people who will say, Oh, Hey, can we have a conversation about this? Or have you thought about saying it this way? Or have you read this book? Or let's talk about this. I love your enthusiasm. And, and maybe let's direct it here um, because you're never going to be completely ready or have all the information. Um, I think you have to start anyways. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. I think that, as I said, sometimes we get into this analysis paralysis, like we want to understand mm -hmm. everything, to know everything, uh, to have the right words in order to even start talking about it. And, and you know, it, it's holding us back to really express what it's really inside of us right because of this fear of what others might think well, i don't want to offend anyone i don't want to do the wrong thing it's all coming from a good place mm -hmm. but it's preventing us to make the impact that we really want to make yeah and and that's what's you know we have to i have to check in with myself all the time when i say like is this about is this more about me right is this a, is this a personal thing is this more about my my feelings or, or my pride or my ego, or is this about the work that I want to do? And, you know, I think as, as humans, it's, it's tough sometimes, but that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Like, okay, if this is, if I'm feeling like this is all about me, I, I might need to push myself here and, and be a little bit brave. 
so I know you mentioned um, at the beginning of our conversation um, that you grew up on on a evangelical mega church and you're actually a pastor, right? Yeah, yeah. What role, what role has faith played in your life? Mm -hmm. um, faith has played a, a major role in my life, uh, both in extremely positive ways and also in some uh, difficult and, and hurtful ways. I was just, so a little bit of background. I grew up in, in the evangelical church and then I went on to, to work and become a pastor at, at a mega church and um, have some phenomenal experiences from that time. And then uh, once I uncovered and discovered more of my own sexuality and, and those things didn't click anymore, um, that was a, the painful experience, right? Because now this place that had nurtured and cultivated so much of my experience was now telling me that I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to be a part of that, that group anymore. And it was, it was very um, just traumatizing, I guess. And I was in a, uh, a podcast recently having a conversation with someone and, and we talked about something similar and she asked me what, what my, my spiritual life and my faith looks like now. And, you know, what's surprising is, is I feel like it's, it's stronger than it ever has been because it's less fragile. And so sometimes when we're a part of a, something so, so personal and intimate is, is our experience and our relationship with God, but it can get wrapped up in what other people think about it. So what, what this church says or what this pastor says or what this church leader um, has an opinion. And, and once I removed myself or, you know, became removed from that environment, then I got to just say, what's my relationship with God? And how do I think about that? And, and got to develop this, this beautiful thing that now feels less fragile. Because if someone says like, oh, I don't think that's true, then I'm like, okay. And good for you, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's played a major role in my life and it still plays a major role in my life. And, and I've had to do a little bit of separating um, faith and, and my own spirituality from maybe some of the, the more institutionalized versions of church. I mean, I think I, I don't want to get into religion. I mean, I want to separate religion from faith, but I believe that church is the people right? Not the building. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. during this quarantine that has been even more obvious to everyone when we haven't been able to go to the buildings, which we call church, and that really that is something that is inside of each of us and, and our relationship with God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't so agree more. I, I know I'm jumping all over the place. Um, I want to go back to that bonus chapter because that's the only piece of the book that I'm actually have read so far. And as I said, yes. I can't wait to read the rest, but there is a quote in that bonus chapter that I already have in my desktop and my computer um, because it really caught my eye. And that was people love to see you grow until they are directly impacted by your growth. It is one of life's greatest strategies. Can you talk a little bit about where, what inspired this quote that you put in this, in, in, in your book? 
and maybe share with our listeners um, you know how to deal with that when it presents itself with a situation like that yeah yeah i know um so that that line right there that you just quoted was the inspiration for the whole bonus chapter because i was texting a friend one night and i she was going through something kind of similar and i had texted her that and she was like, whoa, is that your next book? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, we'll, we'll do the bonus chapter. But, but it is this idea. And, and, and it's interesting. I don't, know, I don't know at what point it happens. But people are very comfortable with, with us growing. And they want us to. Like, you see a baby, they learn how to walk. And people are like, yes, go, baby, go. And, and then they go to school. And they're like, get your driver's license. And go to college. And do all this. And, and get married. And then you know, maybe have some kids. And then at some point, though, instead of cheering you on, the people in your life start screaming, just don't change. Right? Or or if you do change, I need it to be in a way that is going to be comfortable for me. And so I said, people like to see you uh, grow and they like to see you change until they're directly impacted by that. Uh, because then that forces them to, to now look at their selves to see the places where they maybe have Put that on pause or they haven't addressed it or they haven't seen it and and that can be incredibly painful and, and i do think it is one of life's greatest tragedies right that that you can your growth and your pursuit of the life that you want can so impact someone else that they would not want it for you or or try to talk you out of it right it's it's the classic like if you're uh you know married to someone and you sleep in the same bed and you decide I'm going to get up at five in the morning and start running. That's good in theory, but then they're like, you're going to wake me up. You're going to like, move. I'm going to hear you. And then I'm going to feel bad about myself because I didn't go with you. Right. It's just like, we, we do that so much in, in relationships with other people that we, we want you to grow and we want you to be happy, but until it, until it affects us. And so I think for, for the people listening, if, that, if that's where you find yourself, then it, you have to do the hard work of asking yourself the hard questions. Of, am I willing to give up the life that I feel like I'm meant for because it will disrupt the lives around me? Or am I willing to have those hard conversations because the life that I am meant for is so compelling to me that I can't do anything but move towards it? So inspiring. I mean, and it's so true. I'm, I'm one that I have a morning routine and I woke up very early and it's like, I do it very silently not to wake up my husband and not to disrupt <laughs> him. And many times I, at the beginning, I thought, well, I won't do it because I don't want to wake him up. Um, mm -hmm. And then I realized, well, you know, this is important to me. It, it's part of who I am. It, it's helping me uh, become a better person, a better version of myself. So it's worth it. And I'll, I'll find a way to work around it. But a lot of times I think that even when the other person hasn't said anything, as just visualizing that in our minds, which might be true or not, stops us from doing things that are important yeah. to us. Mm -hmm. The one thing is the other person being uncomfortable 
And the other aspect is us thinking that we're going to make them uncomfortable without even knowing that we would, and then giving up on something because of the probability that they are uncomfortable with our decision. Totally. And it happens sometimes in small ways. And, and here's the wild thing about it is it happens in small ways that we, we notice. And, and the scary thing to me is like, if that's happening with something that's so small, what am I hiding from that's big? Right? Like right. We, um, my wife and I, we wanted to do, or we did, but we initially we were like, let's do like whole 30. Like let's do, you know, and it's 30 days where you only eat whole foods. Like you, you don't drink. And we're like, it's going to be really good. We're going to cleanse our cells. We're going to, you know, be healthy. And the next thought in our mind, we literally out loud, we're like, let's do whole 30. We're like, yeah, it'll be great. And then we said, oh, but do we want to be those people who like go to dinner and we have to like, everyone has to like accommodate us kind of thing. Like that was our first thought is like, is this going to disrupt our friends if we go somewhere and we need to order a salad? Like, and, and it was such a natural thought and, and it kind of was like, oh my gosh, if I'm afraid to like accommodate like a dietary need, what else am I like not being true to because of how it might impact people? And then I was like, oh no, I got to go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about therapy, uh, what are mm -hmm. your thoughts around therapy and, and the role that it can play in someone's life? I love therapy. I had therapy this morning, actually, <laughs> in, um, in this same spot because it's on video now because of quarantine. But therapy is, is, has been such an important role in my life. And um, when I first started to, to uh, discover more of my own sexuality that's one of the first things I did was was go to therapy and Sammy and I actually started going to a therapist together because we were both sort of figuring out okay what is this going to look like what does this mean for us how do we how do we figure this out very early on in our relationship we we went to this person together and she helped us navigate how do we you know come out and how do we have these conversations with our friends and and how do we navigate all these feelings and it was I mean she she was absolutely one of the reasons that we're here today. And um, she actually married us. We asked her if she would um, oh. perform our ceremony and she did. Cause we were like, you are the most important person in this journey. Like you have, you have walked us through literally every single stage that it took to get to this day. Um, and so it was such a special thing. And, and so I, 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 I think therapy is one of the biggest gifts anyone can give themselves. That's amazing. I didn't knew that story that she's the one who actually married you guys. I did. I know. It's so oh sweet. God. We yeah, love her so much. Yeah. So we've covered a lot in today's conversation. And for me, without having read your book yet, which I can't wait to read, as I said, it's hard for me to ask a specific question. So I want to ask you, Beans, what haven't we talked about so far about your book that you think people should know about your book that you want to share with people about your book? Mm, that's a good one. That's a good question. Well, I think one, one thing I always want to talk about when I talk about this book 
is I, I want, hmm, I, we may have covered this, but I feel like I, I want to tell people that it's like who I think it's for and, and where it comes from. Because I think a lot of times, if you see a book like that with a title like that, you might think it's coming from someone who has figured it all out. It's coming from someone who is like crushing it in every area of their life. It's coming from someone who, who knows all the answers. And I feel like I always just want to say, no, it's just coming from a real life human. Um, and I'm trying to like, I, I wanted to write stories that said, as a real life human who hasn't figured it all out and is continuing on this journey, I want to remind us all that it's okay to do it, even if we're not going to do it perfectly. And even if we're scared, um, because the people that we're going to become in the process is so, so, so important. And so it's, it's not a book of, about here's, you know, 10 things you can do to change your life, but it, it's inviting you into like, have you had this experience as a human being? Cause I have, and um, I think it's worth it to, to fight some of the fears that come up. As I said, I can't wait to read this book and I can't wait for everyone listening to today's episode to go grab a copy of the book. So remember, you can find the link to Bean's new book in the description of this podcast episode. Now, before we close, Beans, if the people that are listening today want to connect with you, want to find you out in the internet, in social media, how can they connect with you and learn more about you and your new book? Yes. So if you want to find me on the internet, um, you can go to my website, BrittBaron.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at BrittBaron or on Facebook um, at BrittBaron. Yeah, I really encourage everyone to follow Beans because she's always sharing so great content. She's so authentic and you, it's a, she's a great storyteller. Um, you know, I was Thank just you. recording an episode recently with Stacey Flower that I, I know that you two know each other. Oh, yeah, I love Stacey. Yes, and I, I think that one thing that you both have in common is that you're both great storytellers. So um, oh, that's an honor. Yeah, I, I think you both have that gift of being able to communicate at it so authentically and share a message through your stories that people can relate to. So I really encourage everyone listening to today's episode to go follow Beans because you will not regret it. So with that, Beans, it's such an honor to have had the opportunity to talk to you. I, as I said, I can't wait to read this book. Question for you, are you going to do an audiobook? Yes. So the audiobook has been recorded and the, it's, it's right now it's, it's inaudible. We're just waiting for the pre-order link. So the audible link is coming very, very soon. It's me reading it. So if you want to hear lots of hours of me telling stories about myself, then you should get it. <laughs> yeah, I am getting yes. it for sure. Because I think that when you are telling your stories, like the emotion you put in your voice and as you're telling them, like it just gives the whole story a different meaning. So yeah, um, I'm definitely getting that audio bug. 
Oh, amazing. So, yes, I'm excited. I, it's, it seems such an honor. I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to talk to you in person. It's, it's such a blessing. I'm so grateful. Uh, I wish you the best success with your book. Um, and I hope that maybe you'll be back here when you launch your second or third book, because I'm sure oh, this is yes. not going to be the only one. Oh, thank you. Yes, let's hope. And thank I'm sure, you so I'm sure much. it's not going to be the only one. Yes. Yeah, thank you very, very much uh, for being here. Yes. Hey everyone, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Remember, you can find the link to Bean's new book in the comments of this podcast. And with that, as always, I want to ask you two favors. One, please go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave me a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you're notified of new episodes. More great episodes are coming soon. And finally, please share this episode, this podcast with a friend, with a colleague, anyone that you think can benefit from today's content or share it in social media. And with that, I hope that you have an amazing day and I'll see you again here on another episode of the Leading Yourself podcast.